Well, it's uh, it's good to be here. I'm, I'm you know, I'm what? McKenna, something else? McKenna, thank you, McKenna. What? Sorry, brother. We forgot to introduce Brittany. Brittany, we're glad you're here. Everybody say, hey, welcome to the Cornerstone, Brittany. I think Brittany's our only newcomer today, but we're glad you're here. Okay, back to Kurt. I'm excited about that Mexico trip over uh, spring break. I was able to go with you guys. Some of you guys went to uh, on the Arizona trip last spring break. Was, was able that was a good time, and I plan on making the Mexico trip too. So, um, hoping that my schedule allows that. Um, I'm impressed. This is finals week. Look at this room, it's full of people, and uh, you know I I've often thought that I wish I had a community like this when I was going through school. I think my my uh, college experience, my spiritual growth would have been a lot different. And so I really commend you guys for you know I see the the community that's that you have here, and you're, uh, so many of you are really committed to, uh, to following Jesus, and um, even in the midst of, of this kind of week. <laughs> How many of you are graduating this week? I know two of them. It's cool. You know, I... I I got to teach here for the first time on my son's last cornerstone as a senior here. <laughs> his last merge. His last merge as a senior. So pretty cool. All right. Well, very good. Um, <laughs> my other son's playing hooky tonight. Jeff, you're going to have to give Jeff a hard time because he's not here. I'm going to use the – I'm an old school teacher here. I want to use the dry erase board. I'm going to start off talking tonight about something I think a term you probably are all familiar with. It's called com compartmentalize. Just throw out some definitions. What do you think of when you think of compartmentalize? What? Fragmented. What else? That's a good visual. That's a good visual. You hear what she said? Sort of like the little individual squares on a waffle. Anything else? To divide. To divide. Organize. organize. Be organized. That's right. Um, for purposes of our discussion tonight, I want to talk about compartmentalizing kind of the way my life experience has, you know, the uh, way I've experienced it. And that is, and, and you all kind of hit on it, but it's to take segments of your life and to separate them, set them apart from each other. And a lot of times it's for the purpose of keeping focused on the task at hand without other things leaking over into, um, you know, to uh, distract you. And you can see we're going to talk about ways that sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's maybe not such a good thing. So let's, let's talk about some areas of life that we compartmentalize. Just throw some things out. Okay. Yeah. School. Work, relationships, cornerstone. cornerstone. 
family. Food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Friends. I think your dry race is getting a little bit low here. Um, cornerstone or worship, how about that? That's kind of your community, really, too, right? Um, work, school, family, relationships, friends, maybe finances as you guys get, you know, move on past UTA and start a family. Those would be some things. What else? What else do we compartmentalize? Anything else? What? Hobbies. Yeah, maybe uh, recreation, uh, that kind of thing, hobbies. Sure. Now we were taught. I was uh, maybe I was in the Air Force for eight years before I. If, if none of you know this, I'm 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 with American Airlines. I've been a pilot with American Airlines for 25 years, and before that, I was in the Air Force for eight years. And this was a technique they really taught us. They wanted us to do because they didn't want. For example, I was a. T-38 instructor for a while, then I was also flew the C-130 cargo airplane where we sometimes had guys jump out the back. We'd take them, you know, we'd fly down low, maybe 500 feet down to this drop zone up, up by North Korea and have guys, paratroopers jumping out the back. They didn't want you up there coming on a critical turn so you didn't fly over to in the border into North Korea and you're wondering, you know, I wish I wouldn't have had that argument with my wife this morning. <laughs> you, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I'm not so sure things are going to be good when I get home tonight, you know, and meanwhile, you dump the guys out over with the bad guy, <laughs> you know, in the wrong, or you're flying with a student, and you're teaching him uh, to fly formation, you're three feet away from the other airplane, going up to 90 degrees of bank, pulling three G's, going, you know, I wonder, did I take the garbage out this morning, uh, you know, so a lot of times, compartmentalizing is a helpful tool, it can be a good thing, right? Let's add one area in here that we didn't write down. Christ. Do we compartmentalize him? Well, in I heard a yes over here. I think many times we do. Should we? No. It's in our professional life, compartmentalizing can be helpful in our Christian life, I think it's problematic. It's not a good thing. It's un unbiblical, right? I'd like to, as our, pas our scripture passage uh, tonight, just like to start off with Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If any of you have that, you can, somebody wants to, does somebody want to read that for me? Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Anybody looking? Be shy. You have to call him by name, Stephen, to get him to read. <laughs> you have it? Okay. Those three verses are really packed. Packed with meaning. At the, in the first verse, Paul reinforces uh, 
kind of calls or looks back to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, when he, he said, uh, you know, you, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever you have your mind or your heart fixed, that's your treasure and that's a reflection of where your heart is. So he's just reminding us that, you know, and, and also at Paul adds at the beginning of that passage, we've been raised up with Christ. So he keeps seeking the things above. Why? That's where Jesus is, right? Jesus is up at the right hand of the Father. Okay. And then he goes on to, uh, he goes on to say, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you also will be revealed in glory. So he's pointing out that Jesus is not merely an important part of our life or the, just the, the giver of our life, or although he is those things. He's so much more than that. He is our life. I think a lot of times what we do as Christians is that Jesus is kind of over here to the side as a piece of our life. And maybe we go to a, a conference and we have a really powerful spiritual experience so then we take him maybe we make this circle bigger <laughs> but he's still not our life if you're going to change that diagram to make it reflect what it looked like to have jesus be our life what do it look like it'd be like this right all that stuff jesus is in the center he owns all of it right okay thing is, you know, how, how do we live that way? And uh, hopefully we can, we can uh, unpack that a little bit tonight. You know, failing to live with Jesus over all of it. I, you know, a couple things I can think of that it leads to. One is, and, and I've been guilty of both of these things, by the way, but one is to have a Christian life that is, I like to call it event-driven or kind of episodic, you know, it's, we do things for God, right? It could be uh, going to church on Sunday at the very <laughs> basic level. We kind of think, okay, God, you know, I'm doing my part. You know, I'm going to church. I'm worshiping you. Well, maybe we get a little more maturity and we decide, well, I need to be serving God. So we we go on the uh, we go on the spring break mission trip. Go serve uh, the kids at the Indian reservation, or we go down to Mexico and serve the kids uh, down on the border town. Or uh, we get involved on the quarterly uh, community outreach at church. All good things. They're all good things. But if that defines what we're doing for Jesus, we're, we're really missing the mark. Because somehow our, he has, we have got to be transformed in a way that those things are an outflow or, an, or a, uh, they just kind of flow out of who we are. It's not... I'm checking the box, God. I did what I needed to do for you. Now I can go out and do what I want to do. You know, hopefully we've been transformed in a way that that's what we want to do. We want to serve him. Okay. And the other uh, thing that I think that it can lead to if we compartmentalize Jesus over here or something separate and not make him our life, that is that we will tend to try to use Jesus as a means to an end to get what we want out of life. 
In other words, we come to the Lord, we become a Christian, but our goals, our dreams, nothing really changes. But now I've got the God of the universe sitting behind me trying, you know, hey, you know, he can help me get the things that I want to get. And, of course, that thinking is really off the mark as well. I want to tell you a little story about, about my experience. Um, I came to know the Lord when I was in grade school. And we, li- we went to a mainline Protestant church, which, to be honest, was, was pretty dead spiritually. Never heard the gospel growing up until, um, thankfully, my folks liked to watch the Billy Graham crusade on TV. And I heard clearly, when I was 10 years old, I heard the gospel in a way that, that clearly convicted my heart. I saw my need for a Savior. I repented and turned my life over to Jesus. Unfortunately, I lived in a, you know, we are, like I already told you, the church that we went to was not a life-giving church. So I, I didn't know what it meant to grow in Jesus, to be discipled. I just thought, okay. I've got Jesus, I'm going to heaven, I'll just keep going to church, keep doing my thing, and uh, that, that's what life's going to look like. So I went to, uh, graduated from high school, went to Iowa State University, and uh, proceeded to study computer engineering, and uh, was in the Air Force ROTC program. That <laughs> sounds familiar, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, my spiritual life at Iowa State consisted of I went to church on Sunday, nominally. I mean, I showed up. I was there every Sunday, but was not plugged in, did not have any kind of Bible or a uh, campus-based ministry that I was involved in. And my devotional life consisted of when I rolled in bed at night, I just prayed and asked God to bless me and what I was doing. And then that was about it. So I graduated from college. I had a seven-month uh, waiting period before my training date for I was going to go to pilot training. And I desperately wanted to be an Air Force pilot. And I heard a lot of uh, stories about the high washout rate, the failure rate. And I probably the only emotion that was stronger than my desire to be a pilot was my fear of failure. I was so afraid of, you know, not making the mark. So I, I worked, I moved to California, I had a job in California, I moved out there for a few months, and when I was there, I set about doing everything I could do to prepare myself for this big training program I was going to be going through. And I went out and bought a book <laughs> called, is by Norman Vincent Peale, called The Power of Positive Thinking. And... If you're not familiar with that, the theology, the doctrine behind it is an abomination. But I, uh, I didn't know that at the time. You know, I just, I saw, hey, here's a tool to help me get what I want. And really, the whole message of the book was about, well, now you're a Christian, and you can get God to help you get what you want. And through this power of positive thinking, you've got Jesus on your side, you can accomplish whatever you want. And so that's that's kind of was what I was uh, uh, attempting to do. And, you know, I went off to pilot training and things worked out. I did succeed. But thankfully, the first week I was at pilot training, I went to chapel. And then, are any of you familiar with the Navigator Ministry? The Navigator Ministry is a para church ministry which 
their mission is to teach people to be serious disciples of Jesus Christ. And they're active on campuses and on military bases around the world. And they have permanent staff that are attached to different military bases. And, and then they get uh, a lot of participation from, uh, from folks that are, are based at these particular uh, military bases. And uh, they do a great work. There was an instructor pilot who was involved in the Navigators. He came up to me at chapel that Sunday and said, hey, well, you know, he introduced himself and asked me to come to their, just sort of like this, big rally or meeting they'd have on Saturday nights. And I started to get involved in the Navigators. And it was kind of mind-blowing to me. I started to realize what I'd been doing was, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't anything like this. I didn't know anything about discipleship. And he started to teach me what it meant to really follow Jesus and uh, put me on the right road. Took a lot long time to, to unlearn some old, old habits and uh, wrong thinking, but you know I thank God for the navigators in my life uh, with what they taught me. Um, but uh, so uh, you know, just to, to I guess to reemphasize this is the two things when we don't have Jesus as our life, when he, we have him compartmentalized here off to the side, we can, you know, we will, it leads to event-driven Christianity and then uh, trying to use Jesus as a means to an end, kind of a double-mindedness as well. And scripture I wanted to highlight that, that really speaks to that is from James 4. And James says, uh, what is the cause of fights and quarrels among you? Here, I don't have my Bible in front of me. You want to read that for me again? James 4, 1, 1 through 5. Yeah. Yeah, through 5, 1 through 5. Thank you. And that really speaks to what I was, was talking about with my life experience. I was, I was asking, you know, James says you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. I was asking the wrong motives. I didn't consult God as, as to whether I was even supposed to be in the military or whether I was supposed to be a pilot. I mean, I'm thankful for his graciousness and kindness towards me that he's given me a good life in that particular career. But all because of his kindness um, we we so often ask for things with the wrong motives that's so what I really appreciated what Aaron was you know in the worship I thought you'd looked at my notes before you sang because the, the you're talking about purifying our hearts giving us clean hands and pure hearts and purifying our motives and that really speaks to what you know to, to this as well um, so it begs the question how do now that we've established that we need to live in a way that Jesus is not just the most important part of our life, but he is our life, how, how do we go about doing that? Well, the answer is not that complicated, but it, the execution of it is, is difficult. 
And Paul talks about it in Galatians 5 when he tells us to walk and to live by the Spirit. I, I think that's, that's really the answer. We need to walk by the Spirit. He says if we walk by the Spirit, we won't carry out the deeds of the flesh. Um, and, of course, he, and then he lists, he says the deeds of the flesh are evident, and he lists all those things that are part of the deeds of the flesh, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? How do we do that? There's a verse that always comes to mind from Romans 12, and Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way I know to be transformed by the renewing of my mind is to read, memorize, and meditate on the Word. You know, the Word is living and active. It's not just a book. And, and reading really isn't enough. There, there's there's a, uh, a lot of the, the messages and the sermons I've heard, of, I've heard over the years have kind of blurred together, and I've forgotten a lot of them. But there's a message that, that Gary gave over 20 years ago and I've heard him repeat it a couple times since then, but it really impacted me, is when Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And when he said, then he said, is it the truth that sets you free? No, it's the truth you know that sets you free. And I'm not going to know the truth by merely reading the Bible like I read the newspaper, or read a magazine, or read a blog, or something like that. I'm going to be transformed when I memorize it and I meditate on it and it's planted in my heart and then it changes the way I think. And that's how you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's, that's a key part of walking by the Spirit. Another part is a continuation of that James uh, 4 passage. And I, I don't even think my kids know this, but this is a passage I've prayed over my kids for years. And this is where I really was... Aaron, when you, you uh, were before that third worship song, you were speaking out of my notes because James says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And that's, there's so much that's wrapped up in those few verses. And if, if and, and that to me that goes, that's a, I don't like checklists in the Christian life because I think that that can kind of gravitate back towards the law, but I think that's some helpful guide guidelines on how you can really walk out living by the Spirit. And which leads to, in order to do those things, what do we have to be? We've got to be disciplined, right? You know, we have to follow the disciplines of the faith, to pray, and then those other things I talked about, reading, memorizing, meditating on the Word. Um, and to, to realize, you know, as, as we were talking about, was that momentum you were talking about? That our walk with Jesus is never on holiday. You know, we, and, and again, I'm talking to myself, guys, because this is something I've, I've had to struggle with, too, my flesh. is When I'm on break, when I go on a vacation, a lot of times, you know, you get out of your routine, and sometimes these things, you do let them slide. But it's not just another one of your, it's not like taking a couple weeks off from school. The, um, Jesus said what? He said, I'm the bread of life. I am the living water. So you're not going to quit eating for two weeks. 
You're not going to quit drinking water for two weeks. This is your life source. If you can think of it as your, um, that's, this is what keeps your spirit alive. You have to, you know, feed on Jesus, if you will, and, and drink uh, the living water. So I just, I want to encourage you and as you're looking towards this break, I know it's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us that you, we get out of our routine, we go on vacation, whatever, and uh, we, can, we can really neglect the disciplines of following Jesus. But I really want to challenge you guys not to do that. Use those, use those devotions that Christian was, uh, was uh, passing out to you guys. So as we, as we close tonight, Aaron, could I ask you to, to come up and just lead us in that, in that song again? And then we just you can cry out to God to give us, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, submit yourself to him. Say, Lord, have your way in me. So much of what we do as, as believers involves humility. We say, Lord, I, I, I can't do this. In my flesh, I, I, I can't do the things that I need to do, the, the disciplines of the faith, but he will give you the grace to do it. And um, just ask him for it. Bless you guys.